Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. It is time for Market Made Atlanta. Stone Payton and Mr. Corey Rick here with you. Good morning, sir. How you been? I've been great, Stone. How are you doing? I am doing well. Whirlwind Tour went down to Pensacola, enjoyed Labor Day down there. Looks like we're going to get some studios going in Florida. Of course, we already have Pensacola, but it looks like Tallahassee and Tampa are soon coming on board. So uh, having some fun, man. Oh, that's great. Great news. So tell us, who'd you bring with you this morning? Well, today we have Ben Loggins, and he is the founder of what is now Loggins, Kern, and McCombs. And Ben has uh, incredible knowledge and history uh, as a CPA and tax expert, and we're pleased to have him on the show. He's been a tremendous uh, referral partner and resource uh, for my company. Uh, he's been my CPA for going on 20 years now. Uh, just a great guy, great advice, great experience. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you, Corey. I'm glad to be here. So, Ben, you have a wealth of experience with tax, uh, giving tax advice and history. Walk us through for the listenership, you know, your your work history. Well, I started off when I got out of college a long time ago uh, and basically um, got a job at the IRS. So I started off as an IRS field agent. You did that willingly, right? I did it willingly. They were willing to pay me, and I went and did it. And I, <laughs> I, I tell people, I never hated my job at the IRS. I hated the bureaucracy. The bureaucracy would constrain you or not let you do the things you needed to do for the good of the uh, tax administration, but they would restrain you and tell you what to go do. And um, uh, then it wasn't quite as... Uh, uh, exciting from promotion standpoint stuff. So I started looking for another job and found a job with, um, after seven years at the IRS with what was then Tush Ross, later became Deloitte, merged with Deloitte. And then uh, after three years there, I went out on my own in 1980 and I've been, uh, out in Jonesboro ever since. And, uh, we have an office in Jonesboro and we have a little, uh, office at Atlanta Tech Village in, in, uh, Buckhead where we, uh, meet clients. And then I have a meeting space up in Sandy Springs where I also meet with clients. So, uh, we're spread around, and now we're up to about 20 employees, and uh, it's me and 19 women. That's uh, exciting stuff out there. That's uh, But they've been with me a long time. Over half my employees have been with me uh, more than probably 20 years. Yeah, so, that, that really is uh, – that's one of the things I admire uh, most about your organization is how you are keeping people there, and they've been there you know, 10, 15, 20 years in some cases. How would you do that? Well, uh, in fact, uh, my two partners, I made partners a few years ago, were have been with me 35 years. So uh, it's uh, just treat people right. Treat them the way you don't want to be treated. Uh, realize that try to make it families come first so they're able to take off to go to their kids' ball games and do things like that. And so we work uh, flex time in there. So I said as long as the work gets done, you know, uh, it's not imperative that you be sitting here at the office. Um, well, certainly we need to exchange ideas, and it's good to have pe- people in the office. So I don't want them working remote all the time. But still, uh, they appreciate the flexibility that uh, the firm offers them to, to, to live their lives and uh, enjoy their kids and do things like that. With the flex scheduling, how did you arrive uh, to bring that to your company? What was there a jumping off point, or uh, how did you decide to do that? Well, no, it's, it's when I had a child. Uh, you know, 
I wanted flex scheduling, and so I wanted to treat the rest of them the same as I wanted to be treated. So, um, uh, again, like I'm saying, it works real well. And uh, my daughter was a competitive ice skater, and so I took off a couple times a week to take her to ice skating. And uh, I did work at the uh, the rink. I do re- meet with clients up in the area wherever the skating rink was. And uh, uh, but still, it worked. The, the flexibility of that worked well for me. So you have been? Have you been in Atlanta in the Jonesboro area? Your entire life? I grew up in good old East Point. So, yes, I've been on the south side of Atlanta, lived there my entire life. And you've had almost 50 years of experience with tax-related matters, right? Correct. I'll bet you've seen some changes. Oh, I've seen lots of changes. Uh, I always love it when they come out with a new law and they call it uh, simplification because you, <laughs> you know, it's, it's never simplif- nef- simplification. So uh, this la- last uh, a law they passed and they said, oh, we're going to let you file on a postcard. And, of course, it's a postcard, which is a summary of all the stupid schedules they attach to it. So there's no uh, no true postcard. Uh, so it's uh, it's interesting how they promote stuff and work stuff. But the law has remained uh, – the foundation of the law has remained the same over the 50 years I've been involved in it. Of course, back in the uh, 70s, uh, Jimmy Carter years, the tax rate got up to 70 percent, and then Reagan came in and dropped it back down to 35, I believe is what it dropped to at that point in time. So there was a big change in the early 80s when we had the, that big big tax change. But that was really just a rate difference. The laws have pretty much remained pretty much the same as what you can deduct, what you can't deduct, what income is. Those are pretty much remained virtually all the same. You know, personally, as a client of yours, and I have been for 20 years, I, I think that uh, to me, there's uh, certainly a wealth of experience. Uh, the fact that you've been here a long time, you have people that have been in your organization working for you, with you for a long time. I I see that as an advantage. Does that translate into a competitive advantage for you, do you think? Oh, I believe so. Uh, we get most of our clients from referrals and uh, the main complaint clients have about their prior accountants is they didn't respond to them. They didn't communicate. Gee, I've never heard that. Yeah, we're, we're, (laughs) we're telling you all, all, you know, keeping up with you. And it's, uh, uh, so it's a matter of staying on top of a client, having a client know that you're, um, you care about them and you're, uh, you're concerned with what's going on in their life and their deductions and try to maximize their, their deductions. And, uh, so they reduce their amount of tax liabilities, what we try to do. Well, and I think with for me, it's it's very simple for me to make an introduction for your firm because uh, I, we have the experience with you twenty years. It's good experience. Uh, I pretty much do everything you tell me, and um, you follow up. And you know, one of the chief concerns I hear from clients when we get done finishing our end of the work is, "Gee, I haven't heard from my accountant," or they don't call me back, or you know, they they don't follow up with me in a timely fashion. And I think that's one of the things that sets you apart is you're on top of things. You don't let any grass grow on referrals. You shine when you get in front of people. And I think aside from the fact that you have a good company and a good team that has been with you a long time, to me, it's an advantage that you work for the IRS. I don't know why, but for me, I think I'm never going to have a problem with the IRS because I had somebody that worked with them that can help me. Well, certainly we're there to help you, and I understand how IRS works. And uh, as long as what you're trying to do is a legitimate transaction, then, yeah, we're able to get it done. I had one client uh, several years ago that um, his employer decided at the last minute he would issue him a 1099 rather than a W-2. So he, he paid him, um, I don't know, he had $80,000 between withholding and he gave him a 1099 for 60000 Took us six years to correct that. 
But after six years of fighting with the IRS, they, <laughs> they gave him credit for the 20000 in withholding and gave him a refund. So, you know, there are ways to do that kind of stuff. As long as you're right, we can win eventually. It's just sometimes a slow go on how things get done. But uh, uh, we see issues like that all the time of people that haven't done what they wanted. And I tell them, look, if you're willing to start doing what's right and you're going to, you know, IRS will work with you. IRS will always work with you if you're doing going to try to live the right line and then make payments on the old money or do what you can do with the old. But you've got to show that you're doing right. If you if you've uh, continuing to rob a liquor store every weekend, then they're not going to be good with you. I mean, they you got to say, no, I'm going to be right and I'm going to withhold. I'm going to file what I need to file and then IRS will work with you. And that's the way we've always been able to accomplish things. Well, that's that's certainly some great advice. And I think that there's an advantage uh, uh, for you because you know where all the bodies are buried. You've been at this for a long time. Um, the IRS, I mean, I, to me, I think it's a, it's a selling point if there needs to be any negotiation with the IRS that you have that experience as an agent some almost 50 years ago. The fact that you used to train agents, uh, to me, that translates into a significant competitive advantage, especially for somebody that is negotiating with the IRS on any one of a number of matters. Right. Uh, and and we, we get referrals from, even from other CPAs that refer us business because uh, they realize we have the IRS uh, ability to communicate and work with the IRS. Um, so, yes, we that's one of our big points. When did you decide that you had to start what is now Loggins, Kern, and McCombs? I mean, was there a an event, a chain of events? No, I, you know, I was with the uh, – and again, I got – the IRS, I got tired of working with the bureaucracy left there. But when I was with the big firm, uh, after three years there, I saw that uh, my clients were the huge clients. And I, I wasn't able to have the connection with them that I wanted to have with, with small clients like I do with you. I'm able to talk to the business owner. We're able to communicate. We're able to work things out. Uh, that's what I enjoy doing. So that's when I went out uh, uh, with a partner at that point in time. And we built a business based upon the ability to um, work with clients. Uh, we want clients to feel like we're not just form preparers. We're actually help them design transactions in their business. And we want to be, uh, uh, the term in the industry is, uh, trusted advisor. We want them to come to us advice before they do a transaction. We don't want somebody to come to us, oh, I sold my business last week. No, well, dang, that ain't the right thing to do. <laughs> you need to say, well, how do I want to sell my business? How can I reduce my taxes in the business sale? And we're, Trans structure the transaction so that you minimize your taxes and uh, maximize the cash flow to you is what we try to do. Yeah, there is so much strategy there. And I think that, uh, you know, certainly you've been a trusted advisor uh, for me personally in the company and the ventures I've been involved in and, and to others. So I, I think that that, for me, that's, um, that's an additional selling point. Uh, I've never felt at any time that um, you were just filling out forms. I always felt like I was getting advice um, I think you filled in the blanks. I mean, there's a certain amount of form completing that I think has to be done, but I always felt like I was getting additional, you know, good advice and sometimes, you know, uh, thousands of dollars uh, of tax savings uh, of advice. So, um, for my, for me, my experience with you has been excellent. I like to think it's tens of thousands of dollars of tax savings, not just thousands. But uh, now the main thing is, and I can look at a tax return that reads like a book. And when IRS looks at a tax return, it reads like a book to them. So you want to be sure that you're you're telling the correct story. You're if you if you tell them something incorrect, it may result in an audit or something. You don't want to do that. You want to be sure that you're telling them the correct stuff and communicating with them and filling the form out correctly. Um, so that's a big part of it. Is what. You know, what do we put on the form and how do we put it on the form? How do we tell your story to the IRS? Uh, something we pride ourselves on, 
on doing. So, um, yes, we're really try to be proactive with our clients is what we try to do. And, and uh, I've got a great staff. There's a total of six CPAs right now, and we have two more working toward their CPA. So we're, um, even though we're a small firm, we're certainly uh, big enough to, to handle most, most clients' needs that we have. Uh, and it, you know, works well. I've got just fantastic people working for. With yeah. Me. Yeah. You certainly do. I'd say that. So when you, when you started, how did you, when did you hire your first employee and, you know, sort of what were, the, what was the thinking there and what did they do and, and all that? Well, I, I tell people, look, if, if you don't have employees that you can leverage off of, all you've got's a job. So you've got to have employees that you leverage off of in order to give you, uh, income, you're making income off of them, then you have a business. And so pretty, true. pretty soon we, we determined that, look, we don't need to be running a copy machine making copies. I mean, that's how, not how we can charge our fees and be a value to the client. We need to have, you know, a clerical person do those clerical jobs in order to, um, be able to charge the kind of rates we need to charge to take care of us and, and bring that value to the customer. Most clients, I tell them, look, and they ask me, well, what are you going to charge me? I tell them, look, I'm not going to charge you anything. You're going to save more money by hiring me then you're going to pay on me. So I'm a profit center for you. I'm not an expense center. And if client will engage us I would like, agree with that. I, and client would engage us like that, then, yeah, it works great for us and great for them too. Yeah. Yeah, There's. I, I think that that's, um, that's something I've certainly learned over the years is that leverage, um, that's certainly something you have to do uh, with all the contacts that you have. And uh, certainly it's a highest, best use of your time. And, you know, what do you like doing? What are you very good at? I mean, you can certainly do those other things, but is that the highest, best use of your time? Right. And are you worth your rate doing that is really what it comes down to. And you've done a great job. You've hired a couple of people now to take those clerical functions off of you and the follow-up functions and allowed you to be more proactive in, in selling stuff. So I'm real proud of what you – and I'll take full credit for your success. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, no, no. You know, I think it, I think you – I think in fairness, and I appreciate the kind words, I think you, everybody has to get to that point, wherever it is, where they realize, okay, I need to be doing certain things. And with me, I don't need to be processing my taxes. That needs to be you. Right. I, I, I couldn't possibly know what you know. And you know what? I don't like doing it. All right. So, so you know, where's the decision? I just need to give you what you need. You need to put it together. And, and so there, but that translates to other aspects of the business. And I think, you know, when I write uh, a case, it could take six weeks to get it through underwriting. Sure, I could spend the time with the client getting, you know, the underwriting and the medical records and all that stuff. But Amber is far better suited to do that than me. And um, I realized that if you have 10 or 15 deals in underwriting, you can spend one to two days a week figuring out, hey, where's everything at? Right. And I realize highest best use is, you know, things that are business development related. That's what I like doing. Um, and so it's been a maturation. And I imagine that every business owner has to get to a point where you got to where you say, hey, highest best use in my time. What do I like doing? What do I excel at? And uh, you've certainly been a part of that process, no question. I appreciate that. One of the things we're involved in, I've got uh, three QuickBooks Pro Advisors on our staff. And uh, I don't know, you know, QuickBooks is certainly the monster in the bookkeeping industry. And you look at the box and it says, oh, you can do this yourself. You don't need an accountant. And, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you can you can muck it up yourself. But if you don't understand 
you know what the the, the outcome's going to be, then certainly. Uh, uh, so we do probably fifty percent of our business is QuickBooks uh, mentoring. Try to mentor clients so that they realize here's what data I can get from QuickBooks that gives me data to make management decisions. And again, it's that part of that advisor thing. We want to be proactive with our clients so they're you know they're more profitable and uh, you know they need more uh, help from us. They you know that kind of comes along, and then we're able to uh, uh, you know build what we need to build to, to do what we need to do. Yeah. You've certainly set yourself apart with that. And, um, you have a certain client that you want now and tell us about how that's evolved. I mean, you're a, when I think of a CPA for a business owner, you're the first name that comes to mind. So you've, you've certainly done your fair share of branding with me, but is there, if you had an ideal client for the listenership, how would you describe it? Well, an ideal client, and we, we have a handful of ideal clients. It's a client that, that bonds with me and has trusted me to bring me in when they need to make decisions, uh, number one. And uh, number two, it's a client who is uh, successful and wants us to you know assist them in getting their books properly and, and setting up transactions either with uh, sometimes with vendors. Generally, it's uh, when they sell their business. We're involved in that heavily. We're involved in one right now that's selling a business for $17 million, and we're structuring it to minimize their tax liability on it. Uh, so there's a lot of things they can do in that. We do a lot with uh, like-kind exchanges. The new law only allows you to do like-kind exchange with real estate, but there's a lot of things you can do with like-kind exchange in order to minimize your taxes there. What does that mean, Ben? It's where you you take and sell one piece of real estate and buy another one simultaneous, more or less, and and don't pay any tax on that first transaction. You roll that gain over into reduced basis in the new transaction. So it can be a great deal for people that are buying and selling uh, uh, businesses. So – or for real, mainly well, real estate now, but still, there's a lot of things that can be done there to reduce your tax liability, and that's what we're always looking for. Is you know, there's an angle that we can reduce your tax liability. A client will come to me and say, "Look, can I do this?" And I'll say, "Well, no, you can't do that, but here's what you can do to accomplish yeah. the same goal." And that's really what we want to do: is get them to where they want to be um, and keeping them out of the uh, area where they're going to get in trouble. Yeah, certainly that that makes sense. I mean, I think your mastery of the tax law and how to apply the law. Uh, again, going back to me, for me, going back to your history is working for the IRS. I mean, you have, you know, unique experience and a, and a significant advantage for people to guide them and use the tax law uh, appropriately. Well, we, we try to, and, and uh, I tell people being an accountant, though, somewhat being like a doctor and every time you go to operate, they move the kidney somewhere else in the body, you know, <laughs> We'll get a uh, new tax law and it'll say, oh, gee, no, this is not any good. You know, the new tax law that just passed, what, a year and a half ago said you can't do entertainment anymore. Eliminated entertainment. So what can you do? Well, you can still claim, you know, meals, 50% of meals. So now you've got to separate your entertainment from meals. So, you know, if you, if you take me to a ball game, then we want to buy the meals separate from, from the tickets. We don't want to have, have the buffet included yeah. in the price. That way the meals are still deductible. So it's a matter of structuring the transaction to ma- maximize yeah. whatever tax benefits there are in it. Yeah, I, I certainly, um, you know, that's a, that's a great point. For those, you mentioned that you were working with, I, I, mean, I know you've worked with a number of people that are selling their businesses, but to somebody that is thinking about selling their business, what advice would you give them? 
Well, you got to look at what it is. You want to get maximize your capital gain in it, so you're paying a lower tax rate. There's something called hot assets in the business sale, which you pay ordinary income on, which would be the recapture of depreciation or accounts receivable or or things like that that are going to be taxed to you at ordinary rates, and you want to minimize that ordinary rate calculation or tax to you. So it's a matter of structuring that, and then how do you want to be paid out? And that's if you're if it's going to spike your income all in one year, if you could spread it out over several years, that'll work good too because you'll be able to use the lower tax rate in the future years in order to minimize the tax again too. Same thing with retirement. If you're able to move some of that money one way or another into a retirement plan and draw it out, you know, pay for your retirement for the next uh, 30, 40 years, and in your case, it'll be 40 years. You, you t- <laughs> take care of yourself, and you're, you. Uh, uh, he works out like every day. He's just a Mr. Um, model of uh, exercise. Of course, I had another client, and, and, and you know her, who, who I thought also was the uh, – the, the picture of health, and then she has an aneurysm, and now she's uh, uh, paralyzed. So, again, it's That's even though she really was unfortunate. The, the picture of health, really, before that happened. So you can't even really tell what's going to happen, but it's a matter of, you know, how do we maximize the, your, your cash flow to you you in your pocket after the IRS takes what they think is uh, uh, the part they need to take? So there's a, there's a strategy, though, uh, usually with, you know, getting a business ready to sell, and there's some iterations to probably go through there, and I'm sure you're involved with that, aren't you? Uh, a lot of times we are. Sometimes we're not. Uh, you know, if you say, look, I want to sell my business in three or four years, most people pay you on uh, income. So you may want to say, look, what can I do to increase my income? What can I do to increase the, the value I'm going to get out of the business? And do I, do I take an employment contract on the back end where I work for them for several years? How much are they going to pay me there? There's a lot of transactions there that can be uh, effective, again, of how, do you, how much net cash do you end up in your pocket at the end of the day is what we're trying to focus on. But it seems to me that you know, from what I've seen interacting with business owners that have sold their businesses – it can sometimes take years to get it ready to get to a place where it's saleable, though, right? I mean, oh. aren't there things that need to be done prep-wise, book-wise, you know, cleanup-wise? No, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, when they come in to do due diligence, when they're, the person's buying you, they're going to ask you a, a book of questions about uh, any suits you've had in the past, any problems you've had, uh, you know, what, what your vendor mix is, what your customer mix is. There's a lot of things there that would be good that you're able to clean up and make them uh, nicer for the purchaser than you look more, um, you know, purchasable is really what you want to look. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and sometimes that can take years. Oh, right? yeah, it can take years. Yeah. I mean, and this just in sometimes business owners, uh, what they think their business is worth might be different than what you think it's well, worth, Well, right? <laughs> most always. Going back to what I said earlier, you know, it's, do you have a business or do you just have a job? I had a client who was a uh, – did pool uh, cleaning. And he come to me, I want to sell my business. And I said, well, you know, how much are you making? I'm making $50,000 a year. You know, well, you know, when you can sell a business, you've got to assume that I'm going to buy your business and I'm going to hire someone to do what you did. And then I'm going to, you know, pay you part of what's ever over there. I've got to hire someone for fifty thousand dollars to do what you were doing. It has no value. The business has no value because, again, it's I'll just, bet that it's cheered him up. Oh, that did cheer him up, and <laughs> it, uh, he ended up just closing up and not getting anything for his business because he couldn't couldn't find a buyer. That's too bad. And so, uh, again, you've got to structure your business so that you're able to step back. You look at the the big businesses that are that are out there, and I look at Chick Fil A, which is a huge model on the South Side of Atlanta. They've done a great. It's a huge model anywhere. Well, they've done a great <laughs> job of, of mentoring and bringing their uh, their executives along. They've done yeah. a great job of that. So it's not just all uh, 
the owner who's the, the main driver and knows everything. We come into clients quite often and they're, the owner knows everything and does everything. No, no, you've got to, you've got to mentor your employees so yeah. they can take these functions off <clears throat> of you. Uh, or elsewise you really don't, it's going to be hard to sell it. Yeah. So isn't, isn't theoretically, isn't a business worth more if it doesn't need the owner to run? Oh yes. It's, it's certainly worth more if it'll run on its own. Yeah. Yeah. So with regard to your, your history, so in, you know, you've been at this a long time. You start your company in 1980. Uh, you took on some partners in 2013. How, how did you, how did you arrive at the fact that, Hey, I need to, I need to get some partners and. Well, in the accounting industry, there's there's a couple of ways to exit. There's some accountants just end up closing their doors and getting nothing for it. And I, I get clients all the time from, oh, my accountant died last year. He retired and didn't do anything with me. Like he gets no value out of his business. So you want to structure it so that you transfer the business to someone else. And my two partners are fantastic uh, uh, women and they do a great job. And they're uh, uh, so I'm going to slowly fade away. I'm not. And I, really the question is, well, you know, again, you've got to mentor those executives or that team to step in behind you, or you've got to merge with a bigger firm in order to uh, sell your business. It's the same thing with most any business in your business. It would be, you know, what would you do? You'd either got to bring some young person up behind you to do what you're doing, or you've got to merge with a bigger insurance company that this becomes part of their uh, of their package or of their uh, sales product. So it's a matter of, you know, what are you going to do when that time comes? If you were to die today... I mean, your business would pretty much evaporate, right? Well, not really. I mean, the um, I've got a system set up where the money would go. Uh, the money would keep flowing. Well, you've got um, the residuals coming in on the old contracts, but there's yeah. nobody – nobody would be selling new contracts. Well, I mean, but – so I'd have the residual uh, on all the existing clients, yes, um, but no one in my company would be selling new contracts, at least not as it stands right now. No. And, and but but your your model is great from a residual contract thing. You know, I bought long term care insurance from you several years ago, and I, I'm certainly not going to give it up. People once they buy long term care, generally they keep it because uh, uh, once they've invested a few years into it, it's going to continue to grow. So that's a good thing. And residuals are a great piece of your puzzle. It, it works, is works really well for you. Um, so that part's good. In our case, we have no residuals. We've got to either keep the clients we have happy or bring in. New clients. Yeah. Well, I think with – how did you decide over the years, you know, sort of what your – do you have a certain client that you're looking for? I mean, I know you're really helpful to everybody I introduce you, but if you had your druthers, if somebody said to you, well, Ben, what, what is your client? What would you tell them? Well, it, it's more of the small service business. We have a lot of uh, doctors, lawyers, uh, uh, pool cleaning people. I mean, uh, we do have two or three uh, – well, we well, we probably have 10 manufacturers. A couple of them are real big. And and on a couple of those, we'll go out and partner with another CPA firm to come in and do the certified audit to do things that we're not maybe have expertise in. We don't do certified audits. We bring in a, an audit uh, relationship we have for someone else to do the audit, and that works well for us. But, again, we want to be their, their advisor. We want to be in there giving them, telling them how yeah. to run their business and giving them help there rather than doing those other things out there. So that's our sweet spot is some client who's willing to work with us, willing to listen to us. And like I'm saying, about 80% of them are service-based of one kind or another. So with, with regard to the transition – you were kind of the, the the head honcho for 33 years, and in 2013, you decided to take on a couple of partners. How did you, if you mind, if you can talk uh, generally about how it was structured? And I know that you have a definitive 
uh, exit strategy. How did you arrive at that? Well, you look at there's industry standards. I went out and we hired a um, a national expert in uh, and firm transition to come in and give us a little bit of advice. And he came in and gave us some valuable advice. That's what you want to do in any business is reach out to experts in whatever yeah. area you want to go into. No, there's no question. Whether it's accounting or you know insurance or whatever, you want to find someone who's an expert in that and to be able to help you do that transition. But the 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 two women have been with me uh uh thirty well they they joined me in 1984, so they've been with me 35 years now, and so they were with me 30 years at the time. And, and um, I certainly said, "Do y'all want to do this?" And they said, "Well, as long as you'll stay around and work with us for a number of years to make the transition." And I agreed to do that, so we were able to work out the the deal. And uh, they're they're magnificent people, and I really love working with them. And uh, I feel like we have a family there. Uh, again, the, so it it works great. So you 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 started the process of transferring the ownership in 2013. Correct. And and so how did you decide how many more years you were going to work? Well, I mean, if you don't mind, pe- people people say to me, you know, uh, you know, what are you going to do when you retire? And I tell them, look, you've got to find something that you enjoy doing that keeps you active, that you feel like you're a value to people. Yeah. I tell people, I'm going to tell you one personal story here, which is which is kind of tough. But my grandfather, he was 81. His wife, my grandmother, had rheumatoid arthritis. Every day he'd get up and lift her out of bed, get her dressed in a wheelchair. One day he couldn't lift her out of bed. He said, I'm done. Stopped eating. Three weeks later, he's dead. So you've got to have value in life. You know, you've got to feel like you're a value to someone else, I feel like, in order to do it. So I plan to keep working uh, as long as I bring value to them. As long as I can get up and come to the store, uh, there was an article in one of the CPA magazines recently that said, uh, you know, accountant ninety nine comes to work every day, and I'm I'm thinking I don't know if I'll make it that far or not, but y'all <laughs> y'all got me for another thirty years if that's the case. Because again, as long as I can bring value to them and to the firm and to the clients, I still plant. That's going to be my uh, hobby in retirement, so to speak. We'll be continuing to work. Why well, I I see a number of things. That you, I mean, for what it's worth, I see a number of things that you did right. I mean, early on, you identified. You probably knew for a long time that if you were going to transfer the ownership of the business, that you know the two ladies that you transferred it to, uh, you know, they were. You identified them a long time ago before 2013. Oh, no doubt about it. And, yeah, and that that I think was very very sharp on your part. Uh, you know, when I think of you, I, I think well, I don't. I don't know if you have any other hobbies other than being a CPA and doing what you're doing. I know you have the UFO thing, but when I think of you, I think about, you know, you're interacting with business owners, you know, using your um, history uh, as an IRS auditor and, you know, somebody that's provided great advice over the years to help people manage the tax laws. Well, that's what I enjoy doing. I enjoy dealing with clients and I enjoy dealing with clients that enjoy working with me. I mean, I feel like so many of my clients are, are, are family to me. Uh, I've been asked to, and I've been executor in a couple of them's estates, uh, when they passed away. And I, I don't mind doing that. I had one client come to me one time and said, look, would you be my executor? And I said, no, I don't know your family that well. I don't know you well enough to agree to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, but the clients I've known for a long time that I do it, certainly that's a, it's a, something I do enjoy doing and working with their families and feeling like they're part of my family, really. All right. Wait a minute. Are we just going to gloss over this UFO thing? What, <laughs> what, did, what did you mention? Well, I knew you'd have a question in there some, somewhere. <laughs> I have some other questions, but you just sort of very quickly you said, I know so, you have the UFO Well, thing. so Ben has, ben has this h- hobby and this, uh, uh, this history, and I'll, I'll let you tell it. He gives these talks on UFOs. It's yeah? interesting. Cool. 
It's uh, it's it's interesting, and and uh, um, but my daughter about uh, I guess uh, I don't know two. Uh, 1999, 2000, she took an interest in a TV show called Roswell. And she said, I'd like to go out to Roswell and see about the UFO. Roswell, thing. Georgia? Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> and so we've been out there three times. The last time we went out there was on a dig of the crash site. It was uh, interesting dealing with a bunch of MUFON people. But I do have this little program I give to, to uh, exempt organizations. Probably I've given to 30 Rotary Clubs about uh, the fact and fiction surrounding the UFO crash in Roswell, New Mexico. It's it's interesting. It's uh, People say, do you believe? I believe the government's lying to us. Well, the government <laughs> lies to us about so much stuff. And, and you know, anytime – uh, they're lying to you. It's like, well, gee, what's the truth? And we really don't know. So you have all these theories as to what the truth is. And, and really, we don't know what the truth is. Uh, we just know they're, they're lying to us. Well, and we know the you is true. It's unidentified. We don't know what the heck it was. <laughs> right? Yep. And, uh, well, I, and I've, I've interviewed, uh, a number of, um, basically eyewitness people, uh, who've, were were there at the time and either handled the material, handled the 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 crash material or something like that. So I've I've been involved in that a good bit, and it's an enjoyable interest to me. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's that's one little hobby I have, which is uh, I, I enjoy doing public speaking. And people, when I public speak, seem to like to hear the uh, the Roswell story as a public speech. So I developed that. I went to a group one time. They said, "Oh, we got other CPAs in our group," and I said, "I'm not going to get any business from this talk." Don't you know? They didn't like I'm in here as a competitive <laughs> speaker. I do have talks I've given on taxes, and I enjoy I enjoy speaking. The IRS trained me as a classroom instructor, so I you know I enjoy doing public speaking. So uh, I found this is a way to do public speaking uh, that's not tax, and people would get some enjoyment out of it just in the pure tax uh, speeches. Well, I think I would thoroughly enjoy attending one of those. So I want to know when you have the next one. But yeah, I do have a couple of questions around the, I guess I would call it the, the mechanics of these relationships that you have with a term you used earlier in the conversation is trusted advisors. And so in my mind, it makes perfect sense to me that my CPA might even be I don't know, like my quarterback, right? And maybe well, the... he's not going to be a quarterback. He's going to be one of the coaches on the side. You're still going to run the ball and everything and throw okay. the ball, but he's going to be a coach. And he'll say, well, how about running K-14 play or something like that? He'll, he'll give you some ideas as to what you need to do, but you're still going to go out there and execute the plan. Okay. Um, it's, and, but I'm feeling like I can go to my coach and say, you know what, coach? You know, my cousin, my nephew, they've been talking a lot about this long-term care planning thing. And so it sounds like, you know, you may kind of connect me with a resource like Corey, but I'm interested in the mechanics. Like, do you, do you introduce us personally? Do you give me Corey's phone number? How do you, you know, the vetting of these people and how you, how you connect them? Well, I, I, I vetted most of them because they've been clients for years. So I, I refer to clients. Certainly I refer business to Corey. I have uh, other insurance people. I refer for that, to. we're very grateful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have other insurance people that I refer to for, uh, you know, personal property. Probably taxes a state or, attorneys, probably uh, all that, right? I've got a state attorneys that I refer to. So I've got this huge uh, cadre of uh, clients who are, who are great at what they do. Uh, and I refer business to them. I mean, uh, um, so if, if you needed someone to uh, uh, put a screened-in porch on your house, and well, that's just in Peachtree City, but I'd, I'd tell you, <laughs> I'd, I'd refer you to my screened-in porch. You, you guy. got a guy, right? I got a guy. So the so, mechanics of that. Do you, yeah, so what's the best way to do that? And, and generally, I'll say, well, look, you you want to have? I'll say to someone about Corey. Do you want? 
Corey to contact you. And generally, they'll say, yes, have Corey contact us. Uh, so generally, then I'll refer to Corey, and he'll contact him and reach out to him. He's done a couple of fantastic uh, long-term care uh, packages that I, I, I didn't see how they could get insurance, and he's been finding a way to do insurance. There are certain products that um, with annuities wrapped around them, other things like that that he does that – You'd think you wouldn't be able to get long-term care that you were able to get long-term care. I sent him out on a case, which I'm still disappointed to today. And, and uh, this is what a year ago he went out and met with this young lady. Uh, and she was 70. I said, you need long-term care? And she says, I know, I know. But she met with Corey and she just said, oh, that's too much money. And of course it wasn't too much money, but then she had a stroke. Oh. And now she's totally mm. disabled and uh, certainly could have used that uh, $4,000 a month. Corey was going to, uh, was going to provide her with. But so, you know, clients that need it, I talk to most of my elderly clients or people over 60. I don't want to say elderly because I don't consider 60 elderly anymore. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> so, but I, I speak to most of them, do you have long-term care? And if they say, yeah, I said, that's great. If you're happy with it, that's great. And if they say no, then I say, well, you need to consider it. You need to talk to Corey. You need to, because uh, he's the best expert in this area. I have other clients who sell long-term care, but they do it as a uh, add-on kind of product. They really don't understand the whole dynamic of the uh, long-term care industry that that Corey does. So Corey's by far the most knowledgeable person in long-term care that I know. So I refer to him. And if, if you were to say to me, look, I need someone to build a swimming pool. I got a swimming pool company. They do a great job there. So I'd say, look, let me have uh, uh, Hilltop Pools give you a call and they'll come out and, and build but a great But these are people you. you've really gotten to know because you, right. you're putting your reputation on the line every time you I, do that, right? I am. I am. But there are people I've gotten to know and that I have total trust in and I, mm -hmm. I, I believe in. Uh, if it, if it's someone I haven't uh, been a client for very long or I really don't know their enough about them yet, then I won't refer to them until they, till I feel like I've become an integrated part of their, uh, of their business and become their, you know, trusted advisor. Some clients, uh, see me as a trusted advisor. Other, others see me as a form preparer. And I don't like being thought of as a form preparer. I want to be thought of as a trusted, trusted advisor. That's what we try to bring to the table to all of our clients as well. What can we do? Uh, to make, you know, your cash flow better or your life better or your kids in college. Are they going to go to college? How do we want to structure that so that you can uh, minimize your out-of-pocket cost for kids in college? I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do to make things work better. And uh, we're more than happy to try to work with you to get those things to happen. And once a client sees that we bring those things to the table, they generally appreciate it. And they, I'll bet they do. And they stay with me and uh, we lose very few clients. Um, uh, so it works Works great. Uh, we got, uh, I think we did 1,700 uh, tax returns last year, probably half of them business and half of them personal. And most of the personal ones relate are bus the business owners, uh, probably a couple, mm -hmm. of, couple of hundred that are unrelated to a business. But, and so they see us as that, that trusted advisor and we bring all that to the table. We understand what's going on in their business life and their, and their personal life and we're able to tell them, look, here's what you need to do if you have, you know, uh, disabled kids. Here's what you need to do to, to maximize the tax benefits available there. So a lot of things we can do. Um, you know, uh, I had a client not long ago adopt a child and we were able to, uh, I hate to say manipulate, we were able to um, adjust their income one way or another so they got a full adoption credit. So it's things like that that are available to you and you want to be able to maximize the things that are on the table. And of course, everything we do is legit. I would never do anything I couldn't stand up to IRS and argue. I'm not saying I'm going to win 100% of the time, but, you know, the law, I've got law that supports what I'm going to tell them to do. 
Well, one of the ways that, <clears throat> that, that we work with Ben on when Ben sends a referral, sometimes he'll do an email introduction, virtually introducing the parties. Uh, sometimes somebody will call me because they're on their way out of Ben's office and Ben hasn't had time to, you know, pick up the phone, <laughs> Even call give me. You they, heads up. <laughs> well, because be, and it's a and then it's a positive reflection on Ben. Many times they'll sure. call me right away, and they're walking out of his office. Well, I mean, he just made the referral a minute ago. Or sometimes I'll actually call when they're in my office. Yeah, and say, yeah. "Look, we got a question about long term care. You know, uh, what yeah. do you think?" And that that works too. So again, it's a matter of connecting uh, my quality clients I have with the the needs of my other customers, my other clients. They have needs, and I, I know that. Corey's going to bring value to the table, and he's going to uh, be legit with what he does. So certainly that's what you want to do. You know, every couple of years we find uh, an embezzler. And one of our clients has been embezzled generally by their trusted Susie. Oh their Susie who's, trust- wow. who's been there for 20 years. The and office they- manager type? Yeah, that's generally who, <laughs> who we found to be the embezzler. Uh, and it's a, it's a situation where – and it's a situation where the client is really not utilizing us for anything but for year end and maybe a little bit of planning. But they, they turn around. They, they said, well, Susie's been with me 20 years. I've taken her on vacations with me. I've done everything with me. And, and Susie comes up on hard times, maybe going through a divorce, maybe has a child that needs money for college or something like that and sees that, oh, the boss man's not paying attention to what I'm doing. So here's a few bucks here or there. Wow. And uh, uh, so oh. you see that, again, every couple of years we find one of those and uh, – it's um, uh, it's tough to deal with, but you know the client generally brings us in. We try to uh, work out a way to get as much money back as we can to to deal with the uh, the employee. Uh, a few of them have gone to jail most of the time because it's been Susie's been with me twenty years. They don't want to put them in jail. They they I'm trust Susie. She's my family, and and here she's done this to me. Um, they certainly feel violated. It's like your spouse catching your spouse having an affair or something like that. It's really you know. In fact, the one, one I talked to, I, 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 I think my, I would catch my wife having an affair before I caught Susie stealing from me. Cause again, <laughs> I trust Susie more than I trust my spouse. And you, you, mm. those kind of things happen, but, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's wild. The, the, I don't want to get too far off on that tangent, but, uh, there was a case and this wasn't my client. So I'm not talking out of school, but, uh, I had a, I own an office building in Jonesboro and we had a, a tenant downstairs, which was a small credit union and, come to find out they had two employees and the office manager if they mailed you your statement and it came back undeliverable she'd just take the money out of your account and put it in hers and uh she had about half a million dollars before they caught her wow uh, <laughs> but you'll see those kind of things so it's important that the the boss at least overlooks somewhat what Susie's doing you don't want Susie to think no one's looking at what she's doing you know uh, yeah. that's when it's going to happen if she gets in struggle with a divorce or a child in trouble or needs money for some reason or another, uh, then that's when it happens. Um, so it's important that the, the boss at least look at the checks, look at the stuff, give some overview of what's going on. Or you have, if you're big enough business, you have more than one person involved in the accounting to make sure that uh, those things are going together correctly. Um, and, and some of the cases we've caught them better. In most cases, though, they're, the, the boss catches in employee. One of them was, was in, the employee was on vacation, and uh, the boss opened the bank statements. Then who are these checks to? What's going on with this? And so uh, that kind of things happens. But it's important that you set up your structure. We try to help people set up, 
you know, internal control. So those kind of things minimize the risk of it happening. In a real small business, it's hard to eliminate the risk. If in a bigger business, you have two or three layers of uh, review before transactions occur. That's why in big businesses, you have, uh, you know, purchase orders and you have, you know, approval of various transactions because they're trying to prevent that kind of thing from happening. Well, one of the things that uh, – well, I've learned many things from you and your organization, but one of the things that I've learned is the building your team, and uh, it's easy to uh, refer people if you've had prior experience with them, if they're a client of yours, um, and you know that's part of the vetting process, and so – uh, you know, I think it's easy for me to refer you because one, I'm a client of yours and two, you're a client of mine. So right. it makes it, um, uh, and I know you're going to bring value to the table and, you know, sometimes your clients will call me, you know, in your office with you there. Sometimes they'll call me when they're walking out of your office or sometimes you'll send an email. But another thing that I think that, uh, separates kind of what our referral relationship is, is, you know, Ben and I belong to a couple of, to one or two networking groups where we see each other frequently. So there's sort of a, another shot on goal or, you know, it's, it makes it easy for me to say, Hey Ben, did you call this person? You know, Hey, this guy's having this issue. Would you mind giving him a call? Um, but also, you know, when Ben's, a lot of Ben's clients are near his office. So I'm, I'm happy to go down there and meet at his office and, and help the client. Sometimes Ben will be at the meetings and that's very beneficial to have him there because, you know, he has so much experience. He is trusted and the clients like him there to help them with their decision, including not to do any sort of long-term care planning. Well, it's that trusted advisor relationship we're trying to build with him. Uh, and certainly the other networking groups that you and I are involved in, there's a couple more that I'm involved in that you're not involved in. It's, it's great because it's, you know, it's that building relationships with these other uh, businesses out there. And uh, generally when we go into a referral group like that, we end up with a third to half of them becoming our clients. Yeah. And then uh, – That doesn't surprise me knowing you for 20 years. So uh, – but it, it's it's just great. Then it's a matter – then I have more resources to refer people to. So if you yeah. – again, and there's almost – any product you could ask me for, I could refer you to someone in that industry who would who would uh, that I've got respect for and I know would do a good job for you. Well, and you find you probably find like I do that clients come to you for things that are that are outside your expertise because they know that you know people. Right. Um, hey, you know, I've had I've had I have a lot of clients that come to me that hey, can you? I need some life insurance. Can you just do this? And I say, well, no. And they say, why not? And I say, well, it's not what I do. But I have somebody that does it that I know has great depth of field, that has great experience, and I know we'll do a good job for people. And one thing I tell people, too, is you need to find what you do best and do that. A hundred percent. Don't try to do things that you don't know how to do. Yeah. Uh, and that's why in the uh, accounting industry, we're trying to be more – we're into QuickBooks and, and tax and tax planning is what we're into. We're not into – we don't do certified audits. Uh, we don't, you know, a lot of things we don't do. If we need to bring an expert in, we'll bring an expert in that, that I know and have trust in to do some specific transaction, certainly an attorney to do a transaction to build contracts for, uh, transactions. Um, so that's what we try to do. And that's what I advise people to do because they get in trouble doing, trying to think they can do things they can't do. In your case, you could, you could sell insurance pretty easy. You've got most of those licenses and stuff, but it'd be, it's like, you know, life insurance and stuff. That's not what you do. You're great at what you do. In fact, you're the, the only one I've ever seen that just sells long-term care, but you know more about long-term care than anybody I've ever met. No, I appreciate that. So, so yeah. therefore, uh, you've done a great job at picking what you do best and doing that, uh, Perfectly, really, in my opinion. Uh, thank you. I think I think you have to have find you have to find something that resonates with you, whether it's 
being an expert in tax, like what you are in your firm is, uh, you've got, you know, certainly a great story, 50 years, almost 50 years of Keep making experience. me sound so old. I don't <laughs> Well, you started when you were in third grade. There you, there you go. Uh, but I think the fact that uh, even within, you know, within various industries, like, you know, being a CPA, you, you even have subspecialized with, you know, certain aspects. Um, and, you know, you don't get involved in things that you don't have uh, subject matter expertise in. And, and sometimes that can be hard starting out. Uh, but I think in the long term, I think it'll come back to you in spades if you pick, you know, one aspect and focus on it in your sort of an inch wide and a mile deep. Right. Oh, I agree with that. And that's what I tell, advise most people to do when they're picking their business or how they want to build their business or whatever. Say so you've got to be trustworthy. You've got to follow up with clients. You've got to respond back. You've got to communicate. And then if you can't do something, you've got to tell the client you can't do it and, and refer them to someone that can. Or if you don't know someone that can, just tell them you can't do it. And uh, so that's what you need to do in order to build that report. Then they'll come back to you next time and say, well, gee, you know, last time, I, you know, I tell that client, I had a client, not uh, one of our group members over there, sent his dad to me to look at his tax return. I said, you don't need me to do your tax return. It's so simple. Go to AARP and get it done for free. I mean, this is a simple tax return. And um, I'll bet they appreciated they that. They did appreciate that. And it's the truth. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and try to charge people things that, that's not going to bring value to them. Again, I want to bring value to the table is what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I, the, what I try to live by. How has your role evolved since you started uh, Loggins, Kern, and McCombs uh, to where you're at now? Well, you know, when I started, I, I was more in the trenches digging, and now I'm more mentoring the younger employees, uh, you know, making connections with customers, uh, bring in when they need certain expertise on certain questions. So I'm not really in the trenches. Uh, and in fact, you know, I haven't done a corporate tax return in 10 years. My staff does all of them, do a great job. They come to me with technical questions. I'll help with technical questions, but the forms, I don't do any individual returns. I still enjoy doing them. So I still do a lot of individual returns, uh, though I'm trying to, again, mentor most of that to the staff to do most all of that. And that's the part of my goal when I, when I step back and even a little bit more just to be there, not really doing the, the digging in the trench at all, just giving them expertise, bringing them, uh, uh specialization when they need it on a certain topic or something is what I want to be able to do. Well, one of the things that I, uh, see you, watch you do that you do really well is uh, business development. Would you say that that's a, a big portion of what your role is now? That is, and I, I, I enjoy doing that a lot. I, yeah. enjoy, I enjoy dealing with people, talking to people, uh, again, bringing value to people, explaining to them how their life is going to be better if they hire me. Uh, you know, So that's what we try to do with people, and we, we're uh, constantly um, – <clears throat> Working with clients to, you know, again, to make their life better from certainly from a cash flow standpoint. And, uh, uh, it works, again, it works well. Most of the time I bring in the client, I'll, I'll communicate with a staff person who's going to do the bulk of the work or bulk communications if I need to come back in to bring expertise or something like that. But I'm trying to get the, uh, mentor the staff people and get them to understand how to do these things and what yep. they need to do to bring value to the client. Yeah. I think that's outstanding. And you certainly, um, uh, have set a very good example for business development and getting out there and being amongst them and networking and building these relationships. And I think it's, it's good for the people that you're transitioning the, the business to, but I think it's also good, um, because you're able to cultivate more resources to bring to, uh, the table, metaphorically speaking, that your clients, both individual and business seem to be sitting at. 
Right. It is. And again, I, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy talking to people. Uh, I enjoy talking about UFOs. I enjoy uh, <laughs> all these things that I enjoy doing. And that's what it's about. Um, you know, as you transition uh, in probably another 10 years before I'm totally retired or something like that. But I mean, uh, as you transition into that, you need to find again something in life that brings you joy and fulfillment. It's what you need to do. And that's uh, what life is about. Uh, so that's what I try to do. So you're going to work 10 more years? Is that what I heard? Uh, as long as I'm bringing value to the table. Uh, I'll be your owner reduced. So you'll be the guy. You'll be the guy though that works at age ninety nine. Yeah, if, if if I can do that <laughs> at age ninety nine, that would be that would be great. I'd love to do it as long as I'm again bringing value to the table. Then uh, they certainly want to pay me for my value. That's great, and that's what I want to do. Well, Ben, you've certainly had a tremendous run, and uh, of all of the things that set you and your firm apart, if you had to pick a couple things that differentiate Logan's. Kern and McCombs from other CPA firms. What do you think it would be? Well, the, the the main thing is the IRS experience. You know, I know how our IRS thinks about most things. I know how they're going to respond to certain things, and so it's a matter of knowing what to do if an IRS a problem comes in. When I first went out there, I, I had a client who's still my client today, and he, he had been under audit for IRS. They were trying to put him in jail. They've been in been in audit for three years. It took me two more years, but I got him. Uh, Audit finished. Nobody went to jail. Ended up paying fifty thousand dollars, and they wanted millions to begin with, and it went away. Still, he's my client today. You know, forty years later, he's still wow. my client uh, because he sees the value that I bring and know how. Now, if you've done something wrong and you deserve to go to jail, you're probably going to go to jail. I can't help that. But yeah. if there's if there's communications in there, if IRS is not understanding something correctly, or if you did you made a uh, mistake that was a uh, inadvertent mistake of some kind, yes, um, yeah. uh, we can do that. IRS generally doesn't want to put people in jail. They want money. That's what they're out there just This just in. Just collect mm-hmm. money. Uh, they'll put people in jail only to make it an example. They, they'll put you in jail to scare all the, scare all the other insurance people. Yeah. But generally they want money. And if you're able to diffuse the, the audit early on to get to where it's just that money thing, not a jail thing, then they're able to uh, resolve it. And um, IRS will only go down that road of trying to to do that to you if you're being obstinate to them, or if you you don't want to you don't want to upset them. You want to be straight with them. You want to be honest with them. At the same time, you want to say, look, here's what's fair and here's what's stuff. And they generally that's what they want to do. What's fair and what's uh, reasonable. Well, Ben, you've certainly had a great run, a uh, lot of great experience, a lot of success. If Anybody in the listenership wanted to get a hold of you to talk further about their circumstances, business, or personally, how would they do that? Well, the website's LogginsCPA.com. Of course, they can Google Ben Loggins CPA, and they'll come up with the website and uh, reach out to us uh, connecting to the website. Uh, and that would be that would be great. And we'd, we always give people a first get-to-know-you meeting for free and uh, see if we're the right mix for them. If they need our – if we're going to bring value to their table, then certainly that's what we want to do. And 90% of those meetings turn into clients. But the other 10%, like I said with that guy's dad, it's like you don't need us. This is not something – we're not going to be able to bring value to this table. So here's uh, here's what your other options are. You need to go look at those. Is there a phone number that folks might call to sure, set they, up a meeting? They can call uh, 770-478-7424 and uh, – Request a meeting, and uh, we'd either meet with them at one of our, uh, again, Atlanta, Sandy Springs location or the Jonesboro location. The Jonesboro location, I own 11,000-square-foot building there. We occupy a little over 6,000 square foot. So that's where the bulk of the magic happens is there in that building. 
Uh, I do meet clients at, uh, again, these other locations, which is, uh, works for us. But if you've got a real detailed problem or big problem, you want to come to us. Some clients, we go and meet with them. If the, uh, We met with one of the other members of our um, uh, other networking group the other day, and return was a mess and we went to her office looked at her bookkeeping did the things for her and we're going to be able to fix all her problems for her and that's going to cost her money because she hadn't paid the taxes she should have paid but we're going to be legit minimize the taxes because there are things we do to minimize them but still they got to pay a reasonable amount to keep irs at bay is there an email address that people might reach out to you on ben at com. Ben, you've had great success over the years. Thank you for being such a great guest. Uh, continued success, and uh, thanks again for being a great guest on Market Mates. No problem. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Corey Rick. Our guest today, Ben Loggins, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Market Made Atlanta. 